Hi. Good afternoon, everyone. It's so wonderful to be here in church. Wow. This is the first time I'm preaching at third service, and I'm so excited to be here. Wow. Okay, the title of my message today is, Will You Wrestle With God? Now, it's funny, isn't it? When I think of the word wrestle, I think of, you know, two big men coming together. But when you think of the word wrestle, I wonder, what comes to your mind? (laughs) It's funny, the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, those pictures of wrestlers on TV, and they're just wrestling each other for, for, for a long time. But isn't it bizarre that a wrestle is so-called only good to watch if both wrestlers are of the same strength? And it, it's really bizarre to me where I look at this story in the Bible in Genesis 32 and I think to myself, how did Jacob end up wrestling with God? Now isn't that funny? If God, God the Almighty, God the awesome, awe-inspiring God, is God, then how did he end up wrestling with Jacob? And Jacob is a normal man. In fact, Jacob is a very sinful man. And they wrestle not just for one minute or two minutes, but they wrestle from the night all the way till daybreak. Now let's go to Genesis 32 and let's take a look at those couple of verses. I want to give you the context that Jacob is the usurper. Remember his brother, Esau? Now, those of you who've read the story and know their history, you know that when Jacob was growing up with Esau, he was always deceitful and conniving, and he stole Esau's birthright. Now, this time, God has a way with him. He's cheated and schemed all his life, and now, finally, he's got the other end of the stick. His uncle Laban has outsmarted him. <laughs> And now he's been living under Uncle Laban for years and years and years. And finally, he can't take it anymore. And thank God, God tells him, go back to your father's land. But do we know the implications of this? When God tells Jacob to go back to his father's land, what is at stake? Esau is waiting on the other side. And I'm thinking to myself, if I were Jacob, I would be frightened for my life because Jacob stole my birthright. If I were Esau, I would be so angry that Jacob stole my birthright. And if I were Jacob, I would want to flee. And this is what happens. Let's look at Genesis 32. That night, Jacob got up. And he took his little clan with him. He took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, and he crossed the fort of the Jabbok. And after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. And you might be wondering, why is he sending over (laughs) his people and his stuff first? Now, this was deliberate. Now, he is afraid. He has deliberately divided his camp into two because he is worried that his brother could kill them all in one swoop. This man, Jacob, is afraid of complete annihilation. That is the extent of his fear. And yet, God asks him to go, and he goes. But that night, 
This is his anguish. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Now some people, if you read different commentaries, they'll tell you, is it an angel? Is it God? Some say it's an angel. Some say it's God himself. But one thing is common and one thing is true, that the person that Jacob wrestled with is of the supernatural and God met him in that struggle. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. Isn't this bizarre? If this person is God, why would he say, let me go for it is daybreak? But let's go on to the next slide. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. The man asked him, but what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Over here, there is a confession of his name, Jacob. He's actually declaring and confessing, I am the usurper, the deceitful one. And then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and humans and have overcome. Friends, this is what happens when we encounter God. Our identity is changed from Jacob, that deceitful one, the conniving one. He has now become Israel, which means has strived with God. Beloved, before you knew God, before you encountered God, you were someone else. But today we are in God and we have a new identity. Friends, when I was born, when I was five, I remember this distinctly. I hated my name. My name is Waijia. You go to school at kindergarten when I was five years old, I'm always the last to make friends. Why? Because no one can remember your name. All the popular ones are Sarah, la, Peter. La. Everybody can remember their names, but you, who are you? I hated my name. One day, when I was transferred to a new kindergarten, I actually went to school and I said, my name is Christine. And I was so mad <laughs> when I was found out. But little did I know how prophetic it was because I only came to know the Lord when I was 18. But Christine means follower of Christ. Mm. But Waijia, I hated that name. As I grew up, I learned, you know, we all have family stories, right? We all have family stories. Jacob's a terrible history. We all have family stories. My family story was that I found out that Waijia was a backup name. So apparently, the guy, the, the, guy, the obstetrician told my mother that I would definitely be a boy. Confirm. So when I came out, it was like, oh, but thank God we have a backup name. <laughs> so Waijia was my backup name. And I grew up thinking to myself, oh, I must be an accident. And oh, Waijia is a pagan name. There's no good thing that can come out of it. And it's also a name that's difficult to remember. What good can come out of a name like this? And you're sitting here today, you, must, you might be thinking to yourself, what good can come out of my life? And friends, I want to assure you, if God can change Jacob, He can change you too. I will start with this story. Some of you know it. But when I was 18 years old, I just first came to know the Lord. And in my heart, 
I wasn't really sure if Jesus really was real. So I told my dad, I said, Dad, I have this nudging in my heart. I feel like I want to go to Nepal and stay in this children's home for six weeks. And there's this opportunity. And my dad, my wonderful, loving, pre-believing dad, you know, Nepal was having bomb blasts at the time. It was politically unstable. So of course he said no, right? I mean, he's a loving father. But I wouldn't let go. I said, God, if you are real, if you are real, please show me. And I don't know how to pray. I don't know what, what the Bible is all about. I haven't read it once through. But I prayed and I asked the Lord, Lord, if you are real, open up this door. And the miracle happened that my father, who runs a really small company, he ran a really small company at the time, one out of five of his staff knew a Nepalese, a Singaporean missionary from Nepal who was coming back to Singapore. And she met with him. And my father's heart changed. And he said, go. When I went to Nepal, my life completely changed. God spoke to me. He sowed the seed of missions in my heart. And while I was there, the girls were forced to evict. The girls and I were forced to leave the home. And it was then that God spoke to me. You can raise funds for them and buy a permanent home. And I told myself, who am I? I am, I am I'm 18. I have no credentials. I don't know if I'm accepted to university. And so many people told me the same thing. You are too young and you are too small. When you are older, when you are bigger, when you are more famous, you can do something grand like this. But the Lord spoke. The Lord gave His word. And night after night, I just begged the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't have anything. And all this could come to waste if not for you. And so within three months, the book Kite Song was painted. And in the next three months, more than $100,000 was raised, not through me, but through word of mouth, through what God did. And in the following year, this home of more than $100,000 was purchased for the girls. And now the girls are grown up. It's more than 10 years since that event. And many of them have children the same age as mine. But when I look back on this, what is the message? The message is this. Now, when you settle for just what is good, you can miss out on God's best. And I see several young people here in this service today. And I just want to encourage you. Just because you have a good option, don't take it. What is God's best? So many people told me, my dad tried to convince me. He said, you can volunteer in Singapore. You don't have to go so far. There's so many needs here. And I argued with him. I argued with him not because I was rebellious or I was upset with him, but because I knew that God had put it in my heart. And okay, I just want to clarify this. Not argue, argue. But I said, Dad, you know, please, this really means something to me. And I prayed that God would move his heart. And God did it. When you settle for just what is good, you miss out on God's best. Imagine Jacob. 
What if he said this? I'm so scared of going back to my father's land. There's so many else's, uh, so many uh, other places in the world that I could go to. Why do I have to go back to my father's land? I want a safer option. What would he have missed? He would have missed the reconciliation with his brother, Esau. This is an epic reconciliation. So today, if you have good options ahead of you, don't say yes to that so quickly. Press in, wrestle with God and say, God, I will not let you go until you come through for me. Amen. A couple years after that, I was thick in medical school. Then when we graduated, we felt God calling us to Uganda. So Cliff, my husband and I, we spent a year in Uganda. And it was during that time where I felt the Lord speak to me. I felt the Lord revive a dream in my heart where he said, I want you to do your Masters of Public Health. And by this time, friends, I was tired of it. When I was 21, I already applied once. And then my husband, my then boyfriend, proposed to me at the wrong time and said, I want to marry you. And I was like, I just sent my application. And the Lord spoke to me and said, now is not the time. And so I let it go. And the second time I applied, the Lord called us to Uganda. And I thought to myself, oh, I am through with this. Now, those of you who have applied for stuff, you know there are forms and forms and forms, never-ending forms. And I was done with this. There were hundreds of dollars to pay for all the different tests. But when we came back from Uganda, the Lord said, now is the time. And by then I said, God, I don't want this anymore. It's too hard. And besides, a lot of things did not make sense. At the time, the cost was more than $100,000, US dollars. I could not afford it. The other thing was that Cliff, my husband, who's Canadian, he had to be in Canada for a period of time to sort out some of his healthcare stuff. And I thought to myself, it doesn't make sense. If this thing costs $100,000 and the scholarships only sponsor on-site, not online programs, and Cliff needs to be in Canada, how's all this going to work out? And then at the worst of times, our wonderful senior pastor, Pastor Young, <laughs> asked Cliff, do you want to take over the missions department at the time? So Winnie's leading that now. And I thought to myself, this is really, really bizarre. And by this time, I told the Lord, God, it's just easier not to do this. But one day when I'm at an award ceremony, I'm sitting there and a woman from Afghanistan is sharing how her life has changed because of bullets flying on her father's door because he allowed her to go to school. And there and then I see a vision of our family in Baltimore, which is where Johns Hopkins is. And because of that vision, Cliff said, you must not stop praying until the Lord makes this clear to you. I'm sharing this story in detail because there are many of us here with dreams that God has spoken to you in your heart and you tell yourself, I can't do this. There are too many things on my plate. There's my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my dad, my, my this, the funding. Nothing's going to work out, God. But I want to share with you today, when that happens, when God is bringing you into a time of confusion, don't let the lack of clarity prevent you from moving forward. Take the next step. Take the next step. What if, what if Jacob was moving forward with his little clan? And what if he said, 
oh, I might get killed. This doesn't make sense. It's not going to work out. What if he backed off? What if he disobeyed the Lord? But he never did. In a time of confusion, when God did not promise him, remember, God did not promise him that he would not be killed. He took the next step forward. And friends, if you and I have been called to something, take the next step forward. What happened after that was, in a very bizarre turn of events, <laughs> a very, very bizarre turn of events, Cliff said, you must apply. So I applied, but I applied for the wrong program, you know? I applied to the online program already, I cannot convert. But guess what? I became pregnant. And the time of the baby's birth was the time of the start of the online program. So I thought, I can ask for a deferment. And because of that, I could ask the office to change it from online to on-site. And they said yes, and I got accepted. And around this time, Cliff had also told me, since you are unclear, but the Lord has opened the doors, you should walk forward. So I applied. I applied to scholarships. Scholarships that I, th I thought that I would never get. Now you think, because I'm standing here, that I'm brilliant. Okay, or maybe not. Or maybe brilliant to, in some way. But when I was in university, when I was standing outside with all the other candidates, I am the only one with a transcript full of B's and C's because I was severely depressed in university. I barely made it through medical school. My classmates were always trying to help me through the next level. It was terrible. And there and then, I am standing there outside this luminous line of candidates. And I remember just before going into the interview room, this guy comes up to me and maybe he thinks making small talk before a very important interview at the US Embassy will help to ease nerves. So he says, hey, so what are you applying for? I said, um, a Masters of Public Health. And he said, oh yeah, that program. So useless. That's why I'm going to do an MBA at Harvard. Okay. Bye. <laughs> so the next one they call me, I'm, in, I'm shaking. I'm literally shaking in the room because of what he said. And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, friends. But two months later, two months later, the embassy tells me, that you have received this scholarship. And I think to myself, how did this happen? The difference was this. The first two times when I applied, it was all about me. I want to do this for God. I'm capable. It's all about me. If I, cannot fit, if I cannot pay the school fees, I will get a loan. I can do it all by myself. But by this time, the third time I had applied, I was desperate on my knees saying, God, I cannot do this. What is this? This is a foolish thing. This is a foolish thing where I'm pregnant. My husband has been asked to stay on in Singapore. What can I do? But amidst all of this, my husband the rock of our family, he says, we must pray. 
And the bizarre thing was this, while all this drama was going on in the background, Pastor Yang says, okay, I want both of you to come and sign the contract. And he invites us into his office. And I'm stammering because I kind of want to tell him what's happening, but I don't know what to say. But all these weeks, Cliff and I have been praying and pressing in and wrestling with God and saying, God, give us clarity. Make this clear. If you have called us as a couple, I see many couples here today, but if God has called us as a couple, He will make the way clear for both of you. Why, was, why would it be my dream versus your dream? So we wrestled. We struggled with God. And Pastor Yang said, okay, he cuts, me sh- he cuts me short, actually. And he says, I just want to let you know that we had both of you come in today to sign. But as of this morning, the Holy Spirit, during a time of prayer with the pastors, felt unanimously that we had to let you go to your next season. Friends, clarity comes not at the start, it comes with every step of faith that you take. So don't hold back. Move on with God. I'm going to come to my last story and then I'll close. But when we, when we were in the States, this was what happened. I was carrying this heavy burden on me. I thought to myself, I must do something useful with my life. I must, I must. I'm carrying all this stuff on me. I've got, I've got sponsored. Now I have to go, I have to go and prove myself. I want to do something with the World Health Organization or the United Nations, I told myself. I wrote that when I was 17 in my medical school application. But when I was there, guess what? All the doors were closed. Now, hang on a second. How can this be? This is like world's top public health university. All my friends are getting opportunities. And I'm like, why not me? So this is how desperate I am. Like every day after class, I'm carrying my baby, right? I'm still nursing her at the time. I'm literally trying to find every nook and cranny to try and like nurse her and then meet people and I'm knocking on professor's doors. And every day, day after day, I'm doing this and I tell myself, if I, I try hard enough, I will get what I want. Like Jacob, isn't it? If I do it my way, I can get it. You sub, you sub, you sub. This is mine. I deserve it. And towards the end of my program, my supervisor warns me, Waija, if you don't start a capstone project, you're not going to graduate. I come home day after day and I tell Cliff, Cliff, I haven't found a project. I haven't found anything. I haven't found anything. And one day Cliff says, Waija, what is in your heart? What if God wants to call you to start Kite Song Global, like, like, like a, I, I don't know what it is, like a foundation, a non-profit, I don't know. He says, what if? And I told him, no, please, no. So embarrassing. I hate it. I am there to show forth my brilliance. I don't want anyone to know about the picture books I've done. I don't want them to label me as a picture book illustrator. How embarrassing. So I told him no. And now, this is the last day of the final prof I'm going to meet. And I told God that, look, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to take any project he offers to me. I'm done with this. Whether even if it's like malaria or some exotic disease or something I don't even care about, I'll just take it. But he looks at my CV 
and he throws it across the table. Like, you know, those Chinese drama serial where they do gambling? And he says, this is not what you want. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, tell me what you want in your life. And suddenly everything comes out. I tell him about the kite song. I tell him how it's changed my life. And he says, do that. Do that. And I'm weeping. I'm running across the road to my supervisor back in the university. I'm like, I know what I want to do. But the funny thing is this. I don't know what it is about. <laughs> but before I actually started school, I met one Christian professor, and it's a very liberal university. You don't find Christian professors easily. She met with me and she told me this. She said, I'm prophesying to you that because of your baby, God's light is going to shine in this school. And I thought to myself, how? I don't know. But every day when Cliff sent me to school, he would pray along with me, salt and light. I pray that you'll be salt and light, salt and light, salt and light. And finally, when it was close to Sarah Faith's birthday, this is, she was like the school mascot. She's the only baby who comes to school every day for at least an hour or so. So, Everybody knows her name is Sarah Faith, and I am Sarah Faith's mom. <laughs> so her birthday is coming, and my, my dream, I told the Lord, I said, my prayer is that, can I have a little room with 20 people, and I want to share the testimony of my life with my friends? And Cliff prays for that to happen. And one day, when I'm along the corridor, I, I see my program director, so I stop her and I say, do you think it's possible, Prof, that we can have a little room and we could celebrate her first birthday and launch Kite Song Global at the same time. And this is what she says. This is what she says. For an event like this, we should book the largest function hall at Johns Hopkins. We'll get the food sponsored. We'll take care of everything just show up. So this is what happened. People from all around the world came. And I stood there and I shared my testimony. And after the event, people, people who didn't know God, came up to me one-on-one -on -one asking me, who is God? Who is this Jesus in your life? Is he real? And three, it's been three years since that event. Three years. But this year, a few months ago, I had a text from Tokyo. And this little Japanese girl who had heard me speak, she wrote to me and she said, I'm on the verge of committing suicide from the pandemic. Can your God help me? Friends, do you see now that your decisions have a divine consequence? When you wrestle with God from the start, when you wrestle with God, it builds a foundation and then precept upon precept, layer upon layer, your life is built upon the breakthroughs that you've had with Christ even in your youth. So I want to encourage you today, Wrestle with God, whatever it is that you're not sure about. It's unclear, it's confusing, it doesn't make sense, Lord. It's okay. 
I've shared all that with you in detail so that you can see that none of this is straightforward. And if God can use broken people, broken people, I can tell you in my cohort in medicine, I'm like the outcast. I don't fit in. I'm not smart. But if God can use misfits and usurpers and deceitful people, can He not use you? <laughs> I want to come to a close. Just before I came back, I had an encounter with the Lord. We had just visited a friend and on the way back, it was a sunset and the sun was bleeding over these glorious golden fields. At that time in the car, I asked the Lord, God, what is the meaning of my life? What is Kite Song supposed to do? Who am I? And I said, I'm going to go back to Singapore. I'm going to disappear. I'm going to be like the same old girl who hated her name and where she came from. And this is what he said to me. He said, your Chinese name, Wei Jia Wei. Wei is Wei Lan the Wei. It represents the splendor and the majesty of the sky. And Jia, Jia is goodness, excellence. And he said this, your life, your life's mission and Kite Song's mission is to di display my banner of goodness across the sky in majesty and splendor. Friends, what is the story behind your name? God has a destiny for each and every one of you. He has a, he has a love story that He's weaving and He's putting together year after year after year. And whatever dreams that He has put in your heart, I want you to know this. He's intimately aware. And there is no dream that is too small that he cannot handle. At the end of the day, when Jacob goes back and he meets Esau, what has happened? What is the difference between the Jacob before and the Jacob after? His hip. He's limping now, friends. He's limping. It's a permanent disability. But this is what God wants to do with us in that wrestling ring of prayer. God wants to afflict us, not because He enjoys us to suffer. He wants us to know Him for Him. That crushing, that humility, those painful trials that you go through are not for nothing. God knows. And when Jacob goes back with the limp, he is more vulnerable than ever to Esau's potential murder. He could be killed. Today, I want to invite all of you to stand with me and ask the Lord, Lord, what is the dream that you have in my heart? Would you wrestle with God for a new identity? I want to invite the worship team up today. 
just to close us off in prayer, would you stand up with me? Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, with every eye closed, with every head bowed, I want to ask a serious question. Right now in your journey, are you at a crossroads? Are you in a place where the answers are unclear? Are you ashamed of your identity? Have you felt like all your life you have been striving and striving and trying to gain for your own means? Today, right now, the question I want to set before you is, will you wrestle with God? Will you let Him reveal to you what His destiny is for your life? Do you want to see the unexpected outcome of Esau running towards Jacob, throwing his arms around his neck, kissing him and weeping? Do you want that breakthrough? Do you want that story written for your life? Friends, if your answer is yes, I want you to just lift your hands to God. Don't answer this lightly. Because in that wrestling ring will come affliction. Are you prepared for a hip dislocation? But if you are and you say, Lord, I want this. I want a new identity. Then raise up your hands. If you want to say, God, I want your mission fulfilled in my life. And I want your transformation inside of me, deep inside of me, so that I can receive the blessing that you have for me. So that I can hit the mark for my life. If that is you, if that is you, lift up your hands and say, Yes, Lord, I want to do this. I want this. When you invite me into the wrestling ring of prayer, I will not refuse you. I will hold on to you and wrestle with you all through the night till the break of day and say, Lord, I will not let you go. Show me, Lord. Father, I speak over this congregation right now that, Lord, in every way, May we be faithful and obedient to hear your voice and to come into the wrestling ring of prayer. Let us be tenacious and by tenacious faith, may we come into knowing who you are. God, change us, burn away the dross, enlarge us, empty us. Let us be willing wombs to bear fruit for the glory of your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for this people and we just pray that may your work be done in their lives. May you continue to do breakthrough after breakthrough 
speak to them and may they, like Jacob, see the unexpected outcome. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.